This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, November 18th, 2020. I am Dave Biddle. I am very happy to be joined by Matt Baxendell. Bax, the top 10 showdown we all anticipated coming into the season. Ohio State, Indiana. Okay, maybe we didn't quite anticipate this, but Indiana's looked good, man. They're the number nine team in the nation. Buckeyes, number three team in the nation. Ohio State is favored by 21 points, Bax. Just your prediction for this game. How do you think it's going to go and what's your final score? Well, yeah, I think everybody anticipated Indiana was going to be ranked ninth, maybe ninth in the Big Ten. Uh, that's where they normally are. But ninth in the country is, uh, is I believe, the highest they've ever been ranked, at least in the modern era. So good for them. Uh, but, yeah, right now that says Ohio State by 21. That seems a pretty reasonable simile of what we're looking at here. The reality is Indiana's a good team. They're a very good team. I've said numerous times in on this podcast, in the Bucket of Bullets, and just in general, that if this was a normal year, I would have probably predicted them to go 9-3, and three, which would have been a really strong year for them. But beating Ohio State, to me, is a bridge too far. Uh, just because they finally don't have a team that abjectly is terrible for the first time in a very long time doesn't mean now they all of a sudden get a guaranteed win over Ohio State. Uh, I think it says a lot of emphasis is being put on this game just because from the limited uh, games we've seen from the Big Ten this year, Indiana appears to have the best of the, the best and maybe fastest pulse of any team in the East outside of Ohio State. So there's a lot of, I think, extra thought being put into this one that doesn't necessarily need to be put into this one. The reality is Indiana is one of those teams that can surprise a lot of mediocre to decent teams with what they have. They have a nice quarterback in Michael Phoenix Jr. He's a guy who's thrown the ball pretty well this year, even though he has had a tendency to spray it around. Um, And they've got a good, tough team. They're one of those teams that won't give up. They're the type of team that, you know, you can't just roll your helmet on the field and beat them. That's for sure. But I also don't think that they're anywhere in Ohio State's league. I think Ohio State can pick their score against them just like they have been doing all year. And if you look at what they did with that upset at the start of the year at Penn State, my goodness, they got outgained like 500 to 200 or something. And it wasn't for a couple big mistakes. Penn State wins that game pretty easily. So I think Ohio State's going to come out in this game. I think they're going to throw the ball all over Indiana. Uh, I think the Indiana Hoosiers are going to have a few mistakes on offense. As good as Phoenix is, if he can't if he can't get uncorked with the running game, he's going to start forcing some throws. We've seen some inaccuracy from him. I think OSU is going to get some turnovers. 
And I also don't think Indiana has the receivers that are going to test the secondary the way that Maryland would have. So end of the day, I think it's going to be a game where Indiana is going to score some points, but I think you're looking at something more along the lines of like, say 55 to 24 at the end of the day. Interesting. 55, 24. I'm going to harken back to uh, 2014. The number 42 was uh, very special to Ohio state that year. As far as the scoring column, I'm going to go back to 2014. I'm going to give the Buckeyes 42, Indiana 20. So I have the Buckeyes barely covering the spread 42 to 20 is my prediction. Yeah. The thing about Indiana, I, I never thought I'd see the day where they, um, they don't have a noticeable weakness. I've watched them a lot this year. I mean, Everybody's talking about Penix, and rightfully so. Stevie Scott's a good running back. Um, as a true freshman two years ago, he went over 1,000 yards. Last year, a little under 1,000 yards, but he missed a couple games. He was banged up a little bit. He'll, he'll play in the NFL. They've got two really good wide receivers. Fry Fogle has just been tearing it up the last couple of weeks, and Wap Filer um, is another good one. And they've got a good offensive line, and then defense, they're good at all three levels. So I, this Indiana team is good, but – I think they're playing Ohio State at the wrong time backs. If I'm Indiana, I don't want to play angry Ohio State coming off a bye week that they feel like, yeah, they're not maybe quite sold. We'll get to that in a minute that that game should have been called off. And now Ohio State backs is hearing some doubt. They're hearing some criticism, and maybe they're not this good. And I just think feel like this is the wrong time to play Ohio State, and the Buckeyes are going to take it to them. But like I said, I've watched Indiana a lot this year, and I have been impressed with them. Yeah, and like you said, it's hard not to be. Uh, this is a team that has the right mix of experience, the right mix of talent. Uh, I think a, a guy like Wap Filer, he always cracks me up. His nickname's Wap because all he wanted was Whoppers when he was a baby. That's so right. I, <laughs> right? Like, it just, just makes me laugh. Like, I had a buddy in high school. His nickname was Smokey, right? And unlike the guy from Friday, he'd never smoked anything in his life. He'd just been called Smokey since he was a baby. So it always, I, I like these goofy nicknames. But <laughs> – Look, the, the reality is, like you mentioned with Indiana, I mean, this I think will be the fourth straight tailback out of Indiana that's going to go on to play in the NFL. They are not a horrible bum program. This isn't, you know, back in the day before Terry Hepner took over and Indiana was good for 1-10 every year. It's a good team. But just because they're a good team doesn't mean they're going to beat the Buckeyes. And I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head with the timing here. Ohio State's angry that they didn't get to play last week. Ohio State's heard the questions, and I think they're going to come out like a caged animal in this one. There's no catching Ohio State by surprise, if you will, in this game. So that, that alone gives me confidence that they're going to win, and I think they're going to win reasonably comfortably. Let's get to the game last week getting canceled. I think it was a few hours after we did the show on Wednesday, so hopefully we don't have a repeat of last week. Um, and news came down that Maryland – had a minor COVID outbreak. I don't know how you want to classify it. A handful of players and staff members had COVID, tested positive, and the game was canceled. And I'm thinking, okay, well, if that many people have COVID. They're not going to be able to play this week against Michigan State, maybe not next week either. And now we're hearing, this is not official. Right now the plan is for Maryland to play this Saturday against Michigan State, which is good news. I mean, I'm happy that they can play. Hopefully we maybe were false positives. I don't know what the deal is. Um, Maybe they're now under the threshold. But to the outside, or just to Ohio State fans, how do you think that's going to look back that that game was canceled last week if Maryland plays this Saturday? Well, you know, if you have two games, 
One is against objectively the best team in the conference by a pretty good margin. And the other one is objectively against what may be the worst team in the conference. Uh, which one do you not want to play? <laughs> and guess what? They're, uh, they're, they're looking like they're ready to play the worst team in the Big Ten. No problem. But they're uh, not willing to play the, uh, the best team in the Big Ten. And look, here's, here's the thing I have with Maryland. I think the, answer, the number was four cases that they had. And they immediately locked everybody down in a hotel for a couple of days to try to like prevent this from going all Wisconsin on them. And that's admirable. And like we said, Pat Murphy's report last week kind of talked about what um, Ohio State thought of it, which was they were frustrated. But on the flip side, that the Big Ten as a whole needs Ohio State to be not filled by COVID. So Justin Fields not getting COVID from some backup Maryland defensive lineman who breathes on him on a play would be fantastic. Flip side is, is that, you know, there's a lot of programs that have one or two or three cases, right? And they play. And I think there's been some strategic uh, cancellations this year in the Big Ten. Uh, where I talked about it with Wisconsin in the Bucket of Bullets on Sunday, where it's amazing that the moment Graham Mertz is available to play again, Wisconsin is back on the field. Uh, there's not, it's, to me, it's not a coincidence, the two games that they didn't play, that they didn't have to cancel, but they, they, they chose not to play, uh, were the two Big Ten West games that uh, their star quarterback and his backup were out for. To me, this was very strategic by Barry Alvarez and company saying, Let's not play those two games because uh, we want to. Those could directly hurt us in the standings. We'll come back. We'll get Graham back, and we'll play Michigan. And even if Michigan's supposedly going to be tougher, which this year they clearly aren't, it's a cross divisional game, so it really doesn't hurt us. I, I don't think Maryland's calculus on this was, "Hey, we want to try to win the Big Ten East," but I do think there's a little bit of Loxley thinking, you know, if I can go another year without the visual for all those DMV recruits of Ohio State decking Maryland. That would really help me. A guy like Damian Robinson, you think he wouldn't uh, maybe think twice about going to a Maryland team that loses by 30 points to LSU? So there, there's certainly I, – I don't know if that was their primary concern, but it's certainly their primary benefit by not playing Ohio State is that it really helps Maryland on the recruiting front not have to be having local kids pointing at yet another beating by Ohio State. Yeah, I don't know what the truth is, but I agree with you. I mean, if they play this Saturday, it's just going to look bad. It's going to look like they dodged Ohio State, right or wrong. It's just how it'll look, and uh, it's giving the uh, conspiracy theorists uh, plenty to chew on there. Uh, I want to get your biggest concern when you analyze this Ohio State team. Is it Ohio State's running game with the running backs? Is it the Buckeyes' DBs? Is it something else? What's your biggest concern when you analyze this team? It's the defensive backs. Um, I, I think I think we haven't seen enough from Trey Sermon yet to be confident, but I do think Master Teague's been solid. Marcus Crowley's waiting in the wings, trying to get himself healthy. I think the running game's only going to get better. If you look at the yards per carry from your primary tailbacks, it's gone up each of the first three games. That's a positive trend. Even if we're not thrilled with the way it looks, there's been production there. Flip side of that is, is that in the secondary, uh, I, I don't really think that I've seen nearly enough from everybody from Sean Wade down. And, you know, people like people want to say, oh, don't be a hater, don't be a doubter. There's a difference between being a hater and a doubter and someone who's just genuinely concerned about what they've seen. Sean Wade came back 
to be a top 10 pick in the draft. We have not seen that level of play from him. Seven Banks was supposed to be the next one-year starter who goes in the first round, you know, like Mar- Marshawn Lattimore or something. We haven't seen that from him. Um, Marcus Hooker has a lot to live up from what his brother did at safety here, and it hasn't really been all, all gravy yet from him. He's had some rough games, even though he did have a, a clinching interception. Uh, the, the reality is, is that uh, even Josh Proctor, who's looked really good in run defense, and honestly, since he decked Jack Cohn last year in the Big Ten Championship, kind of looks like a hammer. We haven't maybe seen enough from him. Then you lose Cam Brown, who was supposed to be your number three corner, pretty clear cut to that Achilles against Penn State. Now we're talking about a little bit of concern about Tep, a lot of concern about production, and you throw in the fact that who's coaching these guys? This is Kerry Combs' first year back running the defense, right? It's him sort of figuring out how he's going to call his defenses. So we've had some concerns there. Tony Alford knows exactly what he's doing at tailback. The Ohio State offense scheme-wise is not a problem. So to me, for multiple reasons, the, the, the defensive backs are the primary concern. Now the good news there is you have two corners that I think a lot of people who know anything about football know have the potential to be first rounders, potentially high first rounders in seven banks and Sean Wade. So if they can kick their level of play up, that'll help. Uh, I do think you're going to have growing pains among some of these younger players because there was not spring football this year. Offenses across the country are well ahead of the defenses uh, just because uh, of the ease of, of, hey, you know what? If we run seven-on-sevens during the offseason, it's a little different than practicing live tackling. So that's certainly an aspect to it. But, yes, to me, the number one concern right now is the defensive backfield without a question. Yeah, I expected a lot more out of seven banks. I think Sean Wade's maybe made some uh, business decisions here and there. I think he's going to be fine. We know Sean Wade's really good, even though this is his first year starting at you know on the outside and not the slot still. We know Sean Wade's really good. I thought seven banks would come in and – almost be like a Nate Clements. You know, it's one of these guys that, you know, doesn't play much as a redshirt freshman, even though Seven Banks was actually a sophomore. And then Nate Clements comes in. It was the year 2000. It was like, man, you could tell that he was ready to roll and he was going to be an NFL player. I kind of thought Seven Banks would be like a Nate Clements type where right away he would flash. It hasn't happened, but I'm still high on him. And like you said, I think Kerry Combs is going to get the most out of him. And everybody knows Sean Wade and Seven Banks have a lot of talent. Depth concerns me there as well. It's not just those guys are not playing well. The starters losing Cam Brown hurts. I agree with you. I think the DBs, um, that is the biggest concern right now, particularly the corners. Um, you know so what I more out of them. Like That's sort of something that we don't want to talk about, but this factor is Ohio State lost two defensive backs who probably would have played a lot to some off-field malfeasance, some very bad behavior and are being accused of some crimes that, you know, we really uh, we don't want as part of the program. So Ryan Day rightfully got rid of Amir Reap and Jason Went. Yep. Both of them guys had played a lot. And if they had not committed these things, supposedly, they would be part of this program still. And they certainly would be part of the team on the field. That's another thing hurting the depth is losing two upperclassmen with a lot of experience. So, yeah, they're, 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 there's concern here at, at defensive back. It's not us trying to gin up radio here. Uh, and the reality is, too, there's two straight games before the cancellation against Maryland, the second half of those games, Ohio State got shredded in the passing game. They've given up 46 points or something like that in the last two second halves combined. That's bad. That's very bad. That's no good. That's not championship caliber. That's Bama salivates the play you sort of bad. So 
they need to get it locked up. And it starts with those defensive backs. Amir Reap in particular would have played a lot. I was talking with my neighbor, Phil, about this recently. And, you know, big Buckeye fan. And he was saying he was, you know, was rewatching the last year's Michigan game recently. And, um, you know, was talking about how Reap played a lot in that game. And he did, you know, because Sean Wade was out that game. So they used Amir Reap as kind of that hybrid. He can play slot corner. He can play safety. And he would have played a lot as a senior this year. For people that are wondering what happened with Amir Reap, that is still – they've been – Amir Reap and Jocelyn Wynn have been out on bond since their hearing was in March. And the trial date has still not been set to my knowledge. That They will be going to trial. They've been a, they were accused of rape, and they will be going to trial eventually. But that has not happened yet. And this is an incident that allegedly happened in February. And then their court hearings were in March. So – uh, I'm sure because of COVID, that, that put a lot of that stuff on hold for a while. But uh, for those that are wondering what happened with those guys, we still don't know. And um, but Ryan Day said, regardless, even if they, you know, it turns out they were innocent, he he knew enough to to say they were. There's no way they were going to come back on the team, even if they were found not guilty of the crime. That so, and he has a way of knowing certain things. So even if they didn't are not guilty of the crime, they at least did enough where Ryan Day is not going to welcome them back. But I agree with you. I mean, Amir Reap would have played a lot on this team this year. All right, let's finish the show with some good news here. This is really cool stuff. Did a story on the site yesterday about this. Ohio State true freshman offensive tackle Paris Johnson Jr. All of you listening to the show, you know him best as being the number one offensive tackle recruit in the country in the 2020 class, a young man out of Cincinnati. He's playing as the backup to Nick Petit-Ferrer, who's having a great year as a starting right tackle. Paris Johnson's the second-team right tackle. He's also a first-teamer on the field goal unit and in the, in the, the extra point unit, so they're getting some playing time out there as the, the first-teamer there. So Paris Johnson's got a very bright future. He's probably going to be an NFL guy. He's going to be an All-Big Ten, maybe All-American here at Ohio State. What he's doing, though, off the field is really cool, though, Bax. He has started the Paris Johnson Jr. Foundation – and he's got two passions, giving back to disabled military veterans and giving back to underprivileged youth athletes, kids that, you know, Paris never had to worry about if he had cleats or if he had, you know, enough equipment to play sports, but so many kids do. So he's giving back to disabled veterans. He's giving back to underprivileged youth athletes. Two big things they have coming up. They're giving 71 turkeys away um, to needy families in Cincinnati for Thanksgiving and they're going to have a toy drive for Christmas. It's going to last almost a full month. Really cool stuff. You can go on our website, bucknuts.com and read more about this or just do a Google search for it. Um, and really, really cool stuff. I could, I, it sounds kind of trite to say I'm proud of Paris Johnson jr. Uh, but I am, I'm just, I hear something like this backs and I'm just, I'm proud of the young man. How impressive is it that an 18 year old is starting his own charity? Like, when I was 18, I barely had the ability to, like, think past my next exam or the next weekend of parties at OSU. Like, like it's, it's, it's incredible the maturity some of these kids have, right? We've already talked this year about Harry Miller and his fondness for, like, books and Dostoevsky. And now you've got Paris Johnson starting charities and doing toy drives and feeding people on Thanksgiving in the middle of a pandemic, like, these are some you have to remember, like the, the level of expectation in a place like OSU, it, 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 the pressure can create diamonds and the pressure can shatter. Right. Which means you have to have some people that are legit diamonds to be able to to be what they are. And a kid like Paris Johnson, look, he wouldn't have been a top 10 player nationally last year in high school had he not had a very strong mental fortitude. But it tells you about the character he had, that he's 
he's like, yeah, you know, it's not just enough to almost start as a true freshman and certainly be part of the mix to get on the field if there's any injuries at a top five program at a position that's really difficult to play as a young guy. I should start a charity. I mean, that's just impressive. Like, any way you cut it, you have an 18-year-old who's starting his own charity, and you know it's only going to grow over the time he's at OSU. And let's face it, this is the sort of thing that whenever, like, likeness rights are a little bit more, how much more can he get out there and, 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 and push this, right? How much more su- support can he solicit from people because of who he is? I mean, this could be something over the next four years that becomes a massive thing. And it's just impressive. Like, there's, like I keep using the word impressive because I, I think that, that that's the best way to describe it is, is that the, the, the level of maturity that you have to have to do something like this at 18 years old is astounding. And it makes you feel really good, by the way, to, on a non, uh, non-charity related topic about how much preparation this young man's going to have whenever he gets on the field. So it's, it's really great to see players on the team uh, not just succeeding, but doing things off the field that make you proud that they're Buckeyes. And that's, I think, what this is with Paris Johnson Jr. Yeah, I absolutely love it. I love it. We covered a lot of ground on the show today. Fun show. Thanks for stopping by Bax. He is Matt Bax. Stays relevant. Yeah, let's hope this has more of a more than a three hour shelf life other than like uh, last week's show. Yeah. No canceling football games this week. We gotta we gotta play a football game this Saturday in Columbus. Great stuff from Bax. You can catch his column on Bucknuts every Sunday. It is the bucket of bullets. And thank you to all the listeners out there for tuning in. Really appreciate you guys. I hope everyone has a great day. Thanks again, Bucknutters. begun which means you need to listen to fantasy baseball today in five part of the cbs sports podcast network join scott white chris towers and me frank samphill every monday through saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes we'll break down the biggest performers news and prospects who could make an impact this season make sure to download and follow on apple Podcasts, spotify the odyssey app and everywhere else podcasts are found 